Yes, well, it's great to see everybody this morning. So I'll just open up the prayer and short sleep. Father God, I just pray that you speak to everybody's heart, that you change their lives, that you give me boldness to proclaim your word with truth and simplicity. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Craig, you were able to get that video? Yeah. Yeah. 
I believe in these churches that that's the number one thing. We're afraid. You know, there's some statistics out there. There's approximately 150,000 people worldwide dying every single day. Here in America, one-third of all adults claim to be some form of evangelical Christian. One-third. See, the world needs the message of the cross. And they're not getting it. We're called to bring that message. You know, there's several different crosses that are talked about in the Bible. I'm going to mention a few of them, but I'm going to focus on one of them. You know, again, I believe the main reason we don't share is just because we're afraid. We don't know how to. We don't know how to begin a conversation. Um, we all have a desire. We're praying for it. I think everybody here is praying for uh, the harvest, 10 o'clock. You know, basically every single day. You've been doing it for months. You know, I think some of you close to a year, maybe more now. So I know this church has a heart to see souls saved. We have a heart to see this church going. God will through you people here to keep this church alive for one more month. And to go above and beyond, you know, when, when everything came in. And the need was made. And God met the need for you people. I believe you guys are hungry. See, there's many crosses mentioned in the Bible. The first one that was obvious to me was the cross that Simon carried. You know? When I say Simon, I mean... Uh, the father of Rufus, and I don't remember the, the other guy's name, the other kid's name, but it, it doesn't matter. But regardless, his cross is to carry the cross of Christ up to Calvary for him. You know, to help others carry a load that they themselves are unable to carry. Then there's a cross that we are called to carry. The Bible says, anyone who loves their father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves her son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. That's the calling of Christ on each one of our lives. Each one of us are called. You know, too often we break the first or the second commandment. We don't know the first commandment. And we put our family above Christ. You know, our families to be walking by our side and not made to be left, left behind and not made to be an excuse not to go fishing, not to go with you. You know, your family's your team, your ministry team. You know, where you fall short, oftentimes they pick up the slack. Amen. Even the kids, they're great for evangelism. That's right. You know, we have friends. We are a family, so there's no excuse. You know, some of us, our kids are growing up and moved out. We know we're around. But if you look to your left and right, guess what? There's family. Yeah, there is. You know, we are a family oriented church. We are a mission church. And our cross to carry is to put Christ's calling on our lives before our desires, you know, in life. There's the cross of Christ. And Christ himself didn't want to carry this cross. But for it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. So that so much he dreaded this, he had expect hope for that joy, long for that joy. He cried out, Abba Father, in the garden of Gethsemane. Everything is possible for you. 
Take this cup for me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And we're leading up to the cross that I want to focus on. And it's that cross that the world needs to hear about. Paul, Paul talks, talks in Corinthians, says, When I was among you, I claimed to know nothing except for Christ and Him crucified. And he's all around, when Paul was all around unbelievers, his focus was Christ and Him crucified. But so many of us, we know the terminology, we know the churchies, but just like us in our common days today, we're not giving, giving any definitions. You know? What's our definition of the cross? Is it just telling you, hey, dude, you need to get saved? Well, yeah, that's part of it. They don't know what they're getting saved from because they don't know they're sinners. They don't know what they did that was so wrong that they needed judgment. That's the problem. If you don't understand that there is a law that needs to be fulfilled, judgment seems evil. Judgment does not seem right. And in that person's eyes, because they don't understand right and wrong, and that wrong requires discipline, therefore judgment. The, the, the person who is lacking in understanding, they see God as an evil person. And that's our fault. Because we're not explaining the cross to them. See, crucifixion was a very terrible thing. The Bible says he took up our infirmities. He, he, he bore our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Well, what exactly did he do? See, his crucifixions, the, the, the people in Israel that day and all of Rome were very familiar with crucifixion. It was, just, it was a terrible thing. It was always saved for the most heinous of criminals. Not even the Roman citizens were allowed to be crucified because evidently they were a little bit, in their eyes, better. But I'll say for the most heinous criminals, an act of mercy where crucifixion was concerned was what Jesus went through. Taking a man and just beating him with a whip, 40 lashes. And that's just so he bled out soon, or so he would, he would die soon. Historically, some of these people would hang on the cross for nearly a week before they would die. It was terrible. But he took that. Why did he take that? He took that because. We deserve that. But why do we deserve that? Why did we deserve that? And without the law, nobody understands why we deserve that. See, the law is the schoolmaster that tells us what's right and wrong. Paul says, had it not been for the law, I wouldn't have known that this was wrong. And the law is written on everybody's hearts. But because of our evolutionary mindset that we have today, you know, People overlook the law. They are hardened to the law. Because if evolution is true, then uh, sin, or death, disease, destruction all came before sin. And therefore the Bible would be law. Our sin, our breaking of God's law, was what caused, was the action that caused all the suffering that we see. That's why when Christ returns, He's going to give a new heaven and a new earth. But the law, you know, not so many of us are afraid. We're afraid of what we're going to say. You know, it says in uh, what someone in First Corinthians, he says, uh, "Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, because we like to make it, everything so complicated. We talk about propitiation and all these big words that nobody really knows. Frankly, 
If they don't, if they're not from church, they don't care about it. He says, not with wisdom, not we don't preach, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. It's simple. I mean, the world looks at the cross and says, there's a dead man on the cross. We see that dead man, but we see him risen. Why? Because he took our iniquities, our sins, our trespasses. We all broke, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We can look at the commandments. You know, first commandment. You know, you should have no other gods before you. We had, you know, oftentimes, like we just read, we'll put our family before God. Then we're making our family members an idol. We may put sports before God, our money before God. You know, our education. You know, I mentioned evolution earlier. You make evolution out of the God. Everything is based off of that. Your second, your second commandment. You know, don't make God in your own image. There's many people out there that says, oh, me and God, you know, we're buddies. He understands my heart. He knows what I'm going through, and he understands. Well, you're right and you're wrong. He knows what you're going through. He understands your heart even better than you do. But he's still good, and therefore he has to judge. Okay? Uh, you, you move on down. You talk about, you know, most people, it's not a big deal to break the Sabbath. You know, uh, dishonoring your parents. If I was asking any of you guys here, have you ever lied? You say, yeah, we've lied. The Bible says that if you even look at somebody with lust in your heart, you've created adultery with them. And if everybody checks your hearts, I'm sure you've had lust for one thing or another. You know, have you ever stolen even a pencil, a small thing? That makes you a thief. You know, if we just look, run down those last three, it makes you a lying thief, being adulterer at heart. You know, taking the Lord's name in vain, have you ever used his name as a curse word? These are all things that show us how wretched we are inside. And how much that we need a sinner. And without this, these, these things, this is called the law. The Ten Commandments. It's a law that's written on everybody's heart. But they don't realize that. Oftentimes you have to tell somebody what they believe and what they think. Because they don't realize what they do. Because they have sat down long enough to think about it. You know? It's wrong in every culture to steal. If it's not wrong to steal from somebody else, it's definitely wrong for them to steal from me. It's wrong in every culture to lie. If it's not wrong to lie to somebody else, it's definitely wrong if you lie to me. You know? It's wrong in somebody's called in every culture to steal somebody else's wife. Man, if it's not wrong for me to steal your wife, it's definitely wrong for you to steal my wife. You know? So, point being, these are laws that are the same in every culture. That's why the Bible says it's written on everybody's heart. And we've all broke these laws. And therefore, we are all doomed to destruction. Without some way, some kind of a transaction to take place, you know, we, we're going to be burning in hell. And so are they. But we don't, you know, again, so often we don't get past ourselves. And more specifically, we don't get past our fear. Because our fear is what stops ourselves from sharing the gospel with other people. Let's see. 
says, uh, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him, to reconcile him, or to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled to you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, have become a servant. He goes on to say later on, he says, When you were dead in your sins and in uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. You see, I must stop right there. I'll finish the verse later on. But this is a legal indebtedness according to Colossians chapter 2. It means we were obligated by law, the law that we broke, to pay a debt. That we put in a court to pay. It's kind of like when the ruler locks the guy up for strangling the other guy and says, okay, now you've got to pay this debt you owe me, but you've got to be in prison until you're able to afford to do it. And by the way, I'm locking up your kids and your wife and everybody else. There's no way he's going to be able to pay. He's stuck there. Unless somebody steps in, the dude's stuck there. Alright? Jesus is the dude who has stepped in and pays a penalty. See, but I'm a good person, you know? By the way, what court of law would say if you were arrested for stealing or rape or anything else? He says, I, well, I know I stole this, I was granted that, you know, I stole this car at gunpoint from this person. But I've been a really good person. I've given to charity and the parts, you know, when I, when I hacked the car up, you know, I gave to many churches. I, I did a lot of good things. Well, no good judge in his right mind saying, well, you did all these good things. Well, see, it. Good job, see ya. No. That would be a very unjust judge. This was a legal obligation that Christ died for us. The, the reason why it was a legal transaction was because now the judge takes his robe off, steps down, goes from God to Jesus, steps out of man form. Okay? And says, I will take the punishment. Yeah, I will pay it in full. We deserve death for what we did. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I've thought about harming people in my past. Well, if I think about hurting somebody, according to Jesus, that's the same as murder. And so I murdered them in my heart. Therefore, I'm guilty of murder. I need that Savior. And the thing is, the people don't understand this. They say, well, why? So anyway, Jesus takes it down and he says, okay, I'll take this punishment for you. That the, the price was paid in full. Now, just like a doctor, you know, who's got the cure, and he's handing it, handing it to a sick person, you still have to receive that. You can say, well, I'm not worthy of what you did. I'm no good. I, I'm going to take on this punishment, you know, you, I don't want you to die for, you know, I don't want you to sacrifice all this stuff for me. Well, that's not right. You know, that's what the world says to us every time they reject the gospel. 
But they, they don't understand that what they're rejecting. They don't want, the number one reason why these people reject in such a way is because they don't understand they're sick. I can force you all day long to take a cure, but unless you know you're sick, you're not going to take it. Again, that's where the law comes in. And therefore, once you bring the law, they understand the mercy because Christ paid that legal transaction. Now, in order for that legal transaction to be completed, you have to accept it. Accept the transaction that Christ did for you. Once you've received that, Christ makes you a new person. And you're going to love him more. Because who's going to love more? The one who has forgiven much, the one who has forgiven little. Once you realize you are a wretched, dirty, filthy sinner who needed a Savior, you are going to love Jesus with all your heart. Because you understand why you're forgiven. And these people out there, they need to know. I think a lot of us need to, need to, need to recap on it. You guys are all men and women of God, but just like me, I overlook it, I take it for granted, and I need to remind myself every now and again. You know, Bible says to examine yourself daily to make sure you're in the faith. And part of that's going to the law and the commandments. to his word. And we need to do it. Right? That applies for us and that applies for new believers. They don't know what the word is until we tell them. Because you can't believe unless somebody tells them. Nobody's going to tell them unless they're sent. And we're sending church. The pastor's already commissioned us to go and tell these people. Now we need to explain to you. And so often we're afraid. You know? But the conversation is really simple. You know? What you know, I was just reminded of this these questions you can ask just here recently going through a book, uh, an old uh, book I was reading, or actually what I was reading I was listening to. But simply asking somebody a very non-intrusive question. What do you think happens when you die? Let them answer. Next, what they answer, they may say, I don't know, or whatever, say, well, where do you think you would go? You know, do you think you'd go to heaven or hell? And if they say that they, they don't believe anything happens, you just simply ask them, well, if there was a heaven or and a hell, where do you think you would go? It, it, they're both, they're, they're, they said the questions, they're, they're not offensive. People, you know, they're, they're questions that if you're walking, walking along with somebody or working with somebody, you can just turn to them and ask them because, you know, we've all had a conversation similar to this, you know, since we've been saved, and I know before we were saved. You then the next thing, the third thing you can say is, do you know that there's a way you can know for sure? And then you share with them the law, what we had just gone through. And we just, just memorize three of the Ten Commandments. Because every one of us has broken every single one of those commandments. And share with them about that legal transaction that God made for us. But it goes on. It says, uh, once they've made this commitment, and this applies for us, not just the unsaved, it says that anyone who does not love, or does not love me, will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to my Father who sent me. So again, if anybody's not obeying these ten commandments, 
And the Ten Commandments are summarized basically in love the Father with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. And love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets are summed up in these. Jesus says again, if anyone hears my word and does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I do not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. Just so it's not, so we understand this is, these, these aren't just gospel sayings. Book of Acts says, For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. And anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. James, James says it right. Because what happens is we are literally deceiving ourselves when we're not obeying the word of God. One of the greatest commandments that God gave us outside of the, outside of the law, outside of the Ten Commandments, and especially loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor, is to go into all the world. To go into means we actually have to leave and go somewhere. They're not going to come to us. It's up to us to go. But he says, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately gets, or immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. There's three things here. One, listen. Listen to the Word of God. We all do that. We all read our Bible. I'm confident of that that everybody in here opens up the Bible and reads and prays. But we need to put what we read into practice. And number three, what we just read here about the perfect law. We need to be following and obeying this perfect law. See, the law of God is not a law of a bunch of restrictions. It actually gives us tremendous freedom. You know, we were discussing in Sunday school a little bit about how the world would be a perfect peace if everybody followed the law. You know, if everybody in two rivers, there's nobody would steal. All the doors would be left unlocked, cars, keys would be left in the ignition. You know, it would, it would be great if nobody would be lying. We'd take each other's word. You know, a handshake would be good enough again. You know, if we took a day off, Maybe we wouldn't be so grumpy. <laughs> you know, if we weren't coveting, maybe we wouldn't be working so hard to get what our neighbor has. You know, the law of God is written for our benefits to help us out. Not to restrict us, not to hold us back. It's for our benefit because God wanted to bless us. One of the greatest blessings he gave us we found in Acts 3.26 he died and he blessed us. How did he bless us? By delivering us from our wickedness. Amen. Once we realize that we are those gross sinners, that Christ died on the cross and paid that debt, guess what? We're going to have a changed life. Because now we are aware of what somebody did for us. Much like if you go in a ditch and somebody pulls you out of the ditch, you are aware that some man just pulled you out of the ditch. Your vehicle had a dead battery. Someone jump-started you. You are aware that somebody just jump-started you and helped you out. 
Once you know you have a need, we are in sin. Christ jump-started us by dying on the cross. We received his help. And now we are made clean. It's pretty cool. And then, First uh, John, you know, oftentimes then if people may want to be, might struggle with their salvation. Well, how do I know to be saved? Again, I'm, I'm sharing this message because I want to see you people equipped. You know, if any of this stuff is hitting home, let it hit home and let God change your hearts. I'm just trying to be obedient to what I feel God laid on my heart for this congregation because this congregation is called to so much more than we're doing right now. We are our only restriction. Because this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. That means, but specifically 1 John chapter 3, or 2 and 3 talk about how we know that we are saved. It says this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Just to recap, condemnation is from the devil. Conviction is from the Spirit of God. In this case, if the devil's lying to you and say, oh, you're not really saved, this is how we can know that we're saved. If our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. And His commands to believe in the name, and His command to, to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. Pretty easy. Again, because through loving each other, you fulfill the law and the prophets. When you steal, are you acting out of love? No. You're acting out of selfishness. When you lie, are you acting in love? No. You're acting out of selfishness. When you put another God before you, somebody before God, are you acting out of love? No, you're acting out of selfishness. It's, it's pretty easy. You make, God makes it so simple. We don't even have to focus on the Ten Commandments once we're saved. We just have to focus on, on our motives. Are our motives being dictated through love or selfishness? And if you can honestly say that they're being dictated through love, guess what? By very nature of the action, you will be obeying the commandments. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Because every single one of us is sealed with that precious Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit is the same Spirit that lived in Christ. That gave Christ the boldness and the power of relationship with the Father. And he said, no, I gotta go so you guys can have what I got. He says, good news. You do just the same works, greater works than I do. Well, I'm still working on the greater works. I'm following along on uh, the same works. But I'm working at it. I'm human. I'm working at that too. I'm trying to walk in the image of Jesus and let him be my standard. 
So, in a nutshell, you know, God has called us all. He's given us His Holy Spirit. That's the spirit of boldness. That's the spirit of power, not of timidity. We need to get over our fears because we all have those fears. So, Lord, I just pray that uh, your word just settles each one of our hearts. I pray that uh, it doesn't return void. And when we need to change, that we do humble ourselves and change. I just pray for boldness to be in each one of our hearts to share your truth with others. And that everybody be a little more equipped today than they were yesterday. In the precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.